I'm good? All right. Let's exalt the Father real quick. Father, we come before you tonight, Lord, as a body. Lord, I don't know if there's some here that do not have a relationship with you. But I know there's a bunch of people here that have a vibrant relationship with you. And together with them, Lord, we praise you. We exalt your name, Jesus. Because there is no other name given on heaven or earth that demands and receives all the glory, praise, and honor, exaltation, splendor than what your name is and represents and who you are. So here we are, Father, tonight humbled before you, knowing, God, that we're before you. I pray you allow us to count this time as holy. We have set this time apart to come meet with you, to come worship and praise you in song. And now here we are, Lord, to listen to your direction, instruction, encouragement, correction from your word. So I pray, God, you allow me to hide behind the cross so that I may not be seen, Lord, because we're only interested in seeing and hearing from you tonight. So I pray, God, you make yourself real to us who have a relationship with you. And I also pray for those, Lord, if there's any here tonight who do not know you, that they might meet you tonight. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. To keep writing, if there's anyone here that has never been here before, we want to welcome you. I don't know if there's anyone here that this is their first time Or maybe you've been coming here and there at times to full gospel. We want to welcome you. And I pray that we did a good job welcoming you here today. If there's anyone here for the first time or you've been dabbing, coming here and there, I pray we made you feel welcomed. And for those of us who make this our regular home, bless you. (laughs) Tonight's topic... That the Lord put in my heart to bring a word on is titled, The Sick Need a Doctor. I had someone I love dearly tell me about five years ago now that he's going to wait five years to bring up the topic again about recreational marijuana. Because at that time, you know, with the country legalizing and saying it's okay to smoke weed and recreationally and things like that, that he's going to give me five years to see if I change my mind about that. Now, this person is a believer. He's just living in the flesh. You know that's possible, right, to be a believer in Jesus Christ and live like a demon? But for tonight, though, I don't want to talk about how a believer can live a carnal life in the flesh, trying to walk with God but living like a devil. 
For tonight's sake, I want to focus on another topic altogether. I believe that it was five years ago that he brought this up to me, and that time has come and gone. And one thing I noticed is that he's still hooked on Mary Jane. But I'm free from her grip. And it's been 25 years so far. <laughs> and another thing is, the Lord is still Jesus Christ. And he's on the throne of my heart still. You know, I'm up four years. I'm up four years. After this, I want you to see how many years you're up. And think about this. I'm 46 years old. 21 years, I was lost. 25 years, I've been found. So you do the math, I'm up four years. <laughs> and now I know why Rick drinks. And I don't know if Jesus, as a boy growing up, he was tempted to smoke weed. Picture it, his boys, his friends. Yo, Jay, you want to hit this? Come on, you know he grew up in the hood. <laughs> but one thing I know for sure is that the Bible says that as a child, he continued to grow and become strong. Increasing in wisdom, stature, and favor, both with God and men. Or, what about when he was preaching in the streets of old Jerusalem? Remember that dinner he had at Matthew's house in chapter 9? We're going to put it up on the board, hopefully. That dinner he had at Matthew's house with tax collectors and sinners. They said, let me read it. Now it happened as Jesus sat at the table in the house that behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to his, to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? You think he wasn't tempted in that environment? Look at Hebrews 4, 15. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize. That means have pity, understand, and support us when we're going through stuff. When we are in our weakness... Our weaknesses come from our lack of strength, our imperfections, our deficiencies. But was in all points tempted. Tempted means to get enticed, to get sweet-talked, to get wooed. As we are, he went through it, yet without sin. He did not sin. But he did get tempted. But now, let's go back to Matthew 9, where we were. 
where we were discussing about who he ate and drank with. And look at what it continues to say in verse 12. When Jesus heard that, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Those who are well have no need for a physician, but those who are sick. It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. So here it is. This is the crux of where God led me to sense his heartbeat for tonight's message. That is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. It is a call to repent. It is for those of us who recognize we are unhealthy, that we are weak, that we are sick, that we are frail. But Gooch, I think I'm okay. I feel fine. Do I seem ill to you? Well, let's see if you and I line up with what scripture calls unhealthy. And let me let you guys know that I'm not picking on you. This is as much as it is for me as it is for you. If anything, because I'm shining a light on this topic tonight, I know, like Rick gets to, and Mike, and everybody else who teaches, we get specialist assessments ascribed to us from heaven for speaking on these things for two reasons. Number one, God is going to test me to see if I'm walking the talk or just talking the talk. And the second thing is, all of hell gets angry. That God is allowing me to shine a light on this topic that I know is going to potentially free some of us tonight. This is going to free some of us tonight. So let's see if any one of us fall under what the Bible calls an unhealthy individual. In verse 11, we go back. It's right there. There's two things there. <laughs> and when the Pharisees saw it, they said to his disciple, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? So either you and I are a tax collector or a sinner. Let me break this down. Any IRS agents here? <laughs> That's what a tax collector is for us one day. And listen, if the Bible is giving them a special category, <laughs> talk about the scrutiny. So either you're a tax collector or you're a sinner. But Gooch, what's a sinner? Well, someone who sins. So what is sin? Sin has a double meaning. Let me explain. It's like two parts of something, but from the same lump. First, you got lawlessness. Second, you have rebellion. Look at 1 John 3, 4, real quick. 
it says, whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness. And sin is lawlessness. So when you and I don't obey laws and rules, you sin. Any law, any rule. When we don't follow through, we sin. So if you fall under that category, you are a sinner. Because I'm a sinner. I'm not perfect. I mess up all the time. So this first part deals with our actions, things we do that's wrong. Think about like the Ten Commandments or the law of the land. Or for those of us who live with our parents, our parents' rules. This is lawlessness, a disorder due to disregard of laws and rules. This is considered a sin, according to the Bible. Then look at Deuteronomy 9. <clears throat> Check this out. Remember, do not forget how you provoked the Lord, your God, to wrath in the wilderness. From the day that you departed from the land of Egypt until you came to this place. For you have been rebellious against the Lord. This is talking about the Israelite people that were slaves in Egypt. And God delivered them from the bondage of Egypt and become free. That after that, they provoked the Lord in rebellion. They were defiant, disobedient, unsubordinate. Where now, even though these characteristics can be in action, they describe a condition of the heart. For example, this was even before the Ten Commandments and the law existed. So they had no idea what was right and wrong according to rules. All they had was a relationship with God. So in this relationship with God, there's that other component where the Bible doesn't tell you specifically what to do, that you just have to go on based on your relationship with God. And if you mess up there, that's a sin. So you see there's two components to sin. Rules that we don't follow or obey, and your conscience, your relationship with God. When he tells you in your heart, mm -mm, and we still go forward. For example, these folks, when they complained, they complained about water purity, and God filtered their water. They complained about protein intake. And God gave them manna. You know what else they did? Check this out. They took all their jewelry. And they created a statue of a cow. And started praising and worshiping and claiming that you set us free from bondage in Egypt. So this shows the depravity of the heart. And the depths that it can go to. Our conscience is able to go astray. Don't think for a second that you and I are not able nor capable to do the same. Don't think that for a second or be deceived that you are not able or capable to do exactly this. And that's why we are all considered spiritually sick. 
We are sinners. And we need to repent of this condition. Now let's talk about repentance. Which also has two facets to it. There are two types of repentances that the Bible illustrates. The first is for the saved individual. The second is for the unsaved. For the believer or for the unbeliever. For the Christian and the non-Christian. For the sheep and the goat. For the lion or the lamb and the lion. When repentance is expressed by a godly individual, your relationship, your fellowship with God is restored. And the joy of being saved comes back to you. Now, when an unsaved person repents, it's different. And all of you who are saved went through this. It's a different type of repentance. When an unsaved person repents, we confess Jesus Christ as our personal Savior and receive eternal life. So you see, both, when repentive, they share something called remorse. Look at this verse to explain it better. In 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 9. Now I rejoice, not that you were made sorry, but that your sorrow led to repentance. For you were made sorry in a godly manner that you might suffer loss for us in nothing. Sorrow, 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 mentioned three times. This means regret. Like a remorse that both the unsaved and the saved express when we're repenting. There's another attribute that both the saved and the unsaved share when we repent. And it's found in Isaiah 55. And it says, let the wicked forsake his way. And let the unrighteous man, his thoughts, let him return to the Lord. And he, the Lord Jesus Christ, will have mercy on him and to our God. For he will abundantly pardon. There's three things in there that we share. The first is, when you repent, we forsake our way. That means we leave behind. We turn our back on sin. Now, I'm not just going to talk about any sin or all sin. I want you to think about your favorite sin. When we repent, we have to give our back to that favorite sin we like. You know, the one that we have in our back pocket. And we tell God, you know, I love you, Jesus. but We have to forsake it. We have to throw it away. We have to turn our backs from it. We have to repent. And the believer and the unbeliever shares that repentance, that forsaking. Another thing we find there is our thoughts. We have to let go and abandon our way of thinking. 
our old way of thinking, our old way of doing things, our old way of handling problems or situations or making choices. We have to abandon it all because God wants to give us a new way, a new life, a new direction, a new plan, a new art for living your life that is custom made. You know your life is custom made for you? You know there's something in your life that nobody passed ever born and nobody alive now and nobody that's going to be born in the future that has a gift and a calling that's custom made like the one you have that's the purpose that God allowed you to be born so here we are one more point we return to the Lord we reestablish this relationship with God. These are the three things that I've pointed out here. Forsaking their way, our thoughts, and returning to the Lord that the believer and the unbeliever share when we repent and turn away from our sin. So as you can see, both a believer and a non-believer is sick. And we all need a doctor. You know what's crazy and sad? This only applies to those that recognize it. Unfortunately. And I'm going to show you. Jesus is the doctor who has the medication we need to get healed. Does anybody want the prescription? Well, here it is. Let's go back to Matthew 9 where we were. And in verse 13. But go and learn. This is Jesus talking what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repent. Here Jesus is bringing out mercy and sacrifice, not sacrifice. Mercy is compassion, forgiveness, leniency. You know what sacrifices are? Offerings, donations, contributions, gifts. Now, why does God make these two distinctions? He wants mercy, not sacrifice. Because he's making a strong contrast between FRC people and what he does. Now, Gooch, what are FRC people? Fake religious church people. Guess who Jesus beefed the most with when he walked on this earth? They offer donations, contributions, gifts. But he, he's compassionate. He's forgiven, forgiving. He's lenient. Look at Luke 10. Look at the story. Let's, let's look at the story and read the story. I'm going to give you an example. Now it happened as they went that they entered a certain village 
and, at a, and, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. Wouldn't you like to see Jesus come through your neighborhood and have the opportunity to welcome him in? He might be knocking tonight at your door, the door of your heart. Spiritually speaking, metaphorically speaking, And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all this work and serve alone? Therefore, why don't you tell her to help me? Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha. You are worried and troubled about many things. But one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken from her. Martha didn't seem sick, nor did she recognize the doctor was right in front of her. If she had, she would have stopped everything, the busyness of life, the projects that are not completed, the attention to what's normal paused for a moment to say la. Like Mary, she stopped. She took a break. She hung back and she recognized she needs healing. Do you take time out to meditate on the Lord and with the Lord? Do you take time to reflect and make time to chew over where the Lord has brought you from, what he's doing now in your life, and the direction he has you going in? Do we take time to take inventory of our life? Some of us have jobs and careers that we do that for other people, other companies. But do you do that for your own life, your children, your husband, your wife, your brother, your sister, or for you yourself to take inventory and take time to think and be still before him, to listen, to remember where he brought you from, to open your eyes to see what he's actively doing right now in your life and where you possibly might be heading. So I ask you, whether you're a believer or an unbeliever, do you want God's prescription, his instruction, his direction? For the unsaved, for the unbeliever, this means that Jesus Christ will have compassion on you. He will have sympathy for your life's misfortunes. He also will be lenient with you. He'll be so merciful that it'll lead to clemency. He will forgive you. He will offer forgiveness and pardon Give us a pardon from hell. 
but an entrance to a vibrant relationship with him. A vibrant relationship with him that's lively, that's vital, that's ballsy too. For the saved, this means something else. It means this prescription to stop being, we need to stop being FRC people. And instead, extend compassion to people, to understand them. To forgive people and be long-suffering and bite your tongue. To be lenient and forbearing, especially with each other here of the household, especially with each other. Even though it's cool to make or give gifts and offerings and donations, it's all cool. But it's just not what God requires first. We get distracted like Martha. And run to do this and that and do programs, 12 steps, a do's and don't list. It's not what he requires. It's only mercy. Here's a promise. And we're going to start wrapping it up with this. Here's a promise in Ezekiel 36, 26. For all of us. Here's the Lord speaking. And I've asked the musicians to come up tonight as I end this because I want to do a call to repentance for both of us who are saved and unsaved. So as they make their way up here, I want to read this verse to you. And don't get distracted by them. Stay with me for a minute. It says there, from the Lord himself, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. You see, everything that God wants to do with us is new. Because we're supposed to go, according to his word, from glory to glory. Do you know what that means in math? Compounding interest. Blessing upon blessing. There is no backtracking with the Lord. There is no remembering with the Lord. There is no what was that with the Lord. It's glory upon glory built upon more glory. If I had more descriptive words to express to you the vastness and the greatness and the unthinkable things that the Lord has for us and will do, I would bring them up. Maybe I need to speak in tongues and interpret it to be <laughs> able to express this to you. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the old heart of stone that we have, that hard heart, and give us a new heart of flesh, soft, that he can mold. He can't mold something that's hard. And God doesn't want to chisel your heart. He wants to give you a new heart that's soft that he can mold like this. He don't want to bang. He wants to mold gently. He knows we're frail. He knows we're spiritually sick. 
He's going to be gentle with us. But we need to repent. I ask you, because the Lord put it in my heart to ask you again, are you sick? Do you need a doctor? If so, as they sing this song, I want you to reflect on your life and see where you're at with your relationship with God or if you want to start a relationship with God that you consider taking advantage of this space up here. It's a symbolic gesture of, Lord, here I am. I come before you.
Stay right where you are. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Be still. to share something with you right where you're at. We know, I know, that you get beat up by the devil and his demons on a daily basis. Whether you recognize it or not, that's one area of attack that we endure daily. Demonic, spiritual, oppression, warfare, attacks, darts, all kinds of insurrections that he brings towards us. I also know that you recognize you're not perfect. I know that too because my body bears the example of being leaning towards sin. We have this innate problem where we're constantly leaning to touch the fire to get burned. So I know you struggle with that like I do, wanting to please God, but finding this war inside of us that doesn't help us do it purely with a clean heart. And lastly, I know the world is putting pressure on us to hold a certain status Expecting stuff from us that's driving us. We need to repent. In your heart, repent. That's the only prescription and solution the Lord has given to his children. Then his power comes in. And we get set free. Some of us will get set free right now instantly, but some of us is going to be a process, but you will be free in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, break the chains like you did to the children of Israel. We repent, God. We want to let go of our ways, God. Holy Spirit, we need your help to come inside of us and strengthen us. So we open our heart, we open our mind, and we invite you in, Lord.
Hallelujah. Father, we seal everything you've done here in every heart tonight. We ask that you would grant us that amazing miracle of repentance, that we would turn our back on the things that have drug us away from you and we would run in the opposite direction towards you. Father, we know that's impossible without your amazing grace, and so we ask for it, I ask for it in each life tonight. And I pray, God, that we would experience breakthroughs in our worship, in our praise, in our quiet time, in our Bible reading, that we would just once again fall wildly in love with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's give him praise tonight. <laughs>